Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. Rocking what I... Is that a sweater? It looks great, Cameron. Uh, my good... Yeah. My good buddy and producer extraordinaire, Cameron McCoy. Go ahead. Give us the fashion deets. Go. I, I mean, it, it's warm. It's like, you know, negative five. It's essentially Hoth in uh, Iowa this week. And so you wear the sweaters, man. All right, Cameron. Uh, before we get into the actual show, it's time for yet another Spike Feed Sports Break. I should always be paying attention in January. Now, all I want, dude, all I want is five teams that are currently in the NFL playoffs. Okay? You got 14 to choose from. So, in terms of That's battleship. It? Only 14? Oh, Cameron. This, this is the first year that it's that big. Anyway. Go ahead, try and name five teams that are in the NFL playoffs. Go. All right, uh, Dallas Cowboys. Good. One. Oh, okay. Uh, Indianapolis. Incorrect. Uh, That's strike one. Okay. Uh, Browns, Cleveland Browns. <laughs> strike two. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, the Las Vegas Raiders. Correct. Okay. Uh, Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs. Up three. Okay. All right. Two more to go. Uh, we got to go with the California team. Um, gosh, I already said Los Angeles Raiders. Uh, uh, They're in I, Las I, Vegas, I, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll say the 49ers. Why not? Ding. Okay. Really? This is it. Okay. Four, four hits, two strikes. This is it. The whole game is riding on this. Yeah. Houston Oilers. No. <laughs> uh, East Coast. Uh, let, let, let's go with, um, oh gosh, I don't know. Um, Patriots. Easy win. Cameron, you did yeah. it. Okay. Man. Yeah. Man. Wow. Man. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> I think that's the best you've ever done on any of our sports quizzes. For, for blindly. Guessing, yes, I think. And it by is. the way, and by the way, by the way, um, not a bit. Once again, Cameron has no idea how any of these teams have done. I guarantee you. And if you don't know, we live in the middle of football, like everything. You cannot escape it at any mm, time. You can't escape it. Yeah. So Cameron's found a way. Mostly, I would assume mm-hmm. by, you know, a mixture of Dark Souls and lattes. But I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> That's true. (laughs) (laughs) So, Cameron, we've got kind of a, I would say, a news-rich show. I'm again pushing the Kamigawa Neon Dynasty previews. There's like three of them or or so kind of floating around. Um, I just want to say I think the set looks pretty cool. Um, But we're kind of headed in a different direction today. (laughs) Um, It's going to feel like a real (laughs) in-memoriam kind of show. Um, But... Cameron, probably, probably one of the biggest in memoriams. I guess this is a 2022 in memoriam. <laughs> is your volcanic islands? You shipped them off to the to the great big magic game in the yeah, sky. Yeah, they huh? erupted and showered me with plenty of riches, man. Uh, no, you know, uh, I I still have my like you know my core legacy deck, which is going to be blue white. Um, 
I really do think that we're living in a world now where the dual ends, I think, are just going to become less and less important. Um, because if we're going to have legacy and modern masters and all these other things kind of bringing in new cards to legacy, essentially, I really just feel like Raghavan is indication. Arkham Masterly. Mana just doesn't really matter. And like they're going to just print things that are really, really good. So I, I'm going to hold on to like my Tundras. I'm going to hold on to an Underground Sea. But I'm getting rid of a ton of other just like high money, high value cards right now. I started the Volcanic Islands. Um, those things go for about $600 a piece, um, depending on your quality and condition. And so was able to sell those and able to, from that, buy outright a Pioneer deck. Like, you know, so there was that. And then, you know, have um, some money where, you know, I, I text you furiously of like, uh, what type of watch should I buy? You know, with like the other fun money. Right. So we go down some weird paths. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I still have a legacy scene at my shop. Um, and I, I love and respect that I have that, but, um, I'm just not going to be, I, I don't want to follow that rat race of like, I don't know, chasing after some of these cards where I just don't feel like that's what I want in legacy. Um, the, the beauty with legacy is that you can play the entire history of the, of the thing. And, you know, I should maybe just, maybe I won't have the best deck. Um, but I know I will have a good time playing, um, insert random card from 2002 into my deck, you know, and have a good time, right? Rock and roll. Yeah, I, I would also say that, like, if the need arises, like, A, you have access, but you also have a lot of ability to borrow cards from yeah. these other players. So, like, um, it's not necessarily you selling out. I think it is a smart, shall we say, trimming, um, because <clears throat> when it comes to, like, I know we've, we've done things like the mystery box and talked a lot about finance. I always... I, I kind of cringe when people talk about magic as an investment, mm -hmm. like long-term life investment. And this has really popped up a lot with some of the sealed product, like with secret layers and people are talking about, you know, it's worth X. And if you buy it at X and throw it in your closet for five years and then get it out, it's like, you know, this is not necessarily the way that I think is healthy to talk about the game. And when it comes to entertainment dollars, which is essentially what I'm spending on magic, um, I don't like treating it like an investment. I do like buying actual physical things, hence the comic books and all these other things. But I don't think of this stuff as like, yes, I will one day cash in. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's just not my vibe. And whenever I was selling a bunch of my legacy cards, it was to fund and buy other things that I wanted in my home, you know. Mm -hmm. um, also, Cameron, you can't message me what watch should I get. <laughs> like, I, I'm like literally, I'm not kidding you because... The listeners may not know or think we're exaggerating how obsessive of a researcher I can be. And mm, like, yeah. I literally spent three hours looking at watches for you based <laughs> upon one text. So I'm just now saying. I feel really bad. I was like I, doing family lunch and. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So to, to clarify, I was at a youth sports thing mm. and there's like these big windows of downtime between when your kid plays. And so I was just scrolling, just scrolling. And unfortunately, I did find you the perfect watch, but it's sold out. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And, Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, hey, I don't know that I always love Breitlings, but the the 1950s Breitlings, my goodness, Cameron, those are some mm. attractive watches. Um, I'm worried that if you would put that on, it would transform your whole lifestyle. Like you would be too so. suave, right? <laughs> Suddenly you would start getting promotions and stuff. Like it's just too much, right? And if you don't believe me, like Google this listener. Like yeah. it, they are something. They're really something. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I just kind of want to jump oh, in the yeah, news. Magic. Be- yeah. I just kind of want to <laughs> jump into the news because my relationship with magic this week was, in terms of arena, was good. I doing my thing where arena and historic are, you know, somewhere else. Or I'm sorry, alchemy and historic. And I'm just playing standard. I'm playing blue-black standard, and I'm liking standard. And my, for whatever reason, my win percentage, it's probably because my rank isn't super high, but my win percentage with blue-black is, like, quite good. Like, mm. I really have had, like, a ton of matchups against blue-red and done well. Um, and, again, against the white deck, I feel like I do okay. Um, but I kind of want to talk about these other things that are going on with Magic this week, Cameron. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you remember... I actually went back like two weeks, three weeks, listened to our Alchemy cast. Because I got to be honest with you, when we get done with some of those like really aggressively critical things, I'm not really like super keen to listen back to it. um, Because I find that whenever I'm really irritated, um, my thoughts aren't as organized. And sometimes it's like rough to listen to yourself ramble like that. But weirdly, more people, we get more feedback when we're super negative. So maybe that's just the internet. Um. <laughs> wow, I feel like we should write a study or something. Um, I, I was going to say, it's just Emperor Palpatine saying, I can feel the anger flowing through you and just the internet's feeding off of it, right? Yeah. That or if I've learned nothing, people really like find me at my most entertaining when I'm angry. So <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, but here's the thing. So Alchemy, they put up this weird tweet about how, um, hey guys, when it comes to Arena and alchemy uh we know you guys are eager for some new updates and we kind of said that we would do that but we're worried it's going to be too close to a tournament so we're going to push those a little bit back and see kind of what happens after the tournament which again if you'll recall their supposed rationale for this format was rapid changes to make the format more fresh it's not that it has nothing to do with money cameron if that's what you're thinking Mm-hmm. And uh, you and I both posited like, A, we had some massive problems with this on just a what it does to the game front, but also like, wh- why do they think they can do this? Why are people giving them the benefit of the doubt when this has been like not a, not a thing that they've pulled off well whenever they're mirroring the paper world? So I guess I just want your outlook on this. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you want any competitive level play in alchemy should it change before tournaments so it's quote more fresh or are is this is the sour cream so expired at this point that we just need to throw it out <laughs> all of the above uh no like so uh, this is again one of the things that I, just really bugs me is i feel like rather than being proactive with good game design good mechanics good sets this is just if we brush it away it's reaction it's like well this deck's too good and now we're going to react to it and i don't know if that is 
I don't find that to be, I guess, like good game disgu- game design, and I don't feel like it's going to lead to the that sort of discovery of like all of a sudden here's a brand new mono black deck that actually took the world by storm and for the next two weeks you're going to see it and then we're going to see the community we're going to see players respond to that to react to that aspect of it to adapt a deck or find a new method or approach to playing the game um that's what i want and alchemy once again just shows that it just doesn't matter and i hate that yeah, it also kind of reeks of a massive mis- misdiagnosis of what went wrong mm. circa Oko. Like, <laughs> it really just feel like, feels like they think the problem is is that they couldn't nerf cards and too many people were playing too many games and, oh, things got solved too quickly. It's not because the design was poor. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is just, I don't know. I that that is problematic along with this announcement that the next major MTG open that they're sponsoring on arena and I don't tend to play these opens is also going to be alchemy so when we originally had talked about alchemy as a um format i said hey they they're not officially saying that this is a competitive format that they're gearing towards competitive players but it's very strongly hinted well we're past that point pro level mm-hmm. event that they're kind of adjusting alchemy around in the on our first news item. Second news item is, hey, our next open will also be alchemy only. So they're really pushing it. Now, Cameron, here's what I want to contrast. I'm not trying to beat a dead horse because I think everyone feels this way or mostly most people feel this way. Right now, sub out all the words on our show notes of alchemy with Pioneer. Right? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Where's your excitement then? Right? We're talking about the, how we can get into this event, right? Yeah, the literal opposite. <laughs> yeah. And this isn't because, you know, you and I have like, uh, you know, prognosticated that this, this, is, this is like obvious stuff. This is so obvious, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, did they, did they focus group? Did they poll people? Like what, how... It just feels so counterintuitive and so, like, not the obvious thing. You guys could have made this. I, I, I don't know their data. I don't know their metrics. But I just don't, for one instance, instant believe that they would have made the same amount of money, if not more, with Pioneer over Alchemy. And also, the goodwill you would have bought that you have squandered. Literally look at any Reddit post, any Twitter post about yeah. Alchemy. And scroll through the comments. I have never advised anyone to do this in my entire life, but here we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is a torrent of people asking, why are you doing this? Why is this the format? You know, it, it's, it's just stunning to me, right? Yeah, this is unsolicited too, right? I mean, like, people are just coming forth with... Um, Opinions, <laughs> very yeah. strong opinions, right? Yeah, yeah, and and I think yeah. it's it's easy to dismiss it all, but some of them are really well reasoned, right? Like, yes, there are these really knee jerk, very rude things. Um, there are people that are just stapling memes together to make a point. I get that, and maybe it's a little too easy to dismiss that at this point. Mm-hmm. But I mean, dude, it's like I do, 
I just don't know how alchemy is the better business decision over Pioneer. You know? Um, now, here's the thing. I want to hop down to our bottom one because I think this ties in with it. Mm-hmm. So, kind of tucked away in their, like, yearly announcements, they mention that MTGO is no longer being developed and worked on in-house. <gasps> it is being farmed out to a studio. I think that the studio is called Daybreak. Mm-hmm. And just to give you a, a kind of picture of this, Cameron, and I saw some people on Twitter say that some of the d- actual devs themselves have moved between studios. Um, th- this studio specializes in being a server farm for MMOs that are no longer updated. So, for example, <laughs> EverQuest 1 yeah. <laughs> is run by this company. And that's like the late 90s, right? Because that was like pre-World of Warcraft. Oh, man, yeah. And just like, and I, again, I, this is kind of inside baseball stuff. I, the guy who's the CEO or the head of Wizards of the Coast just became Hasbro CEO. People were like, well, maybe that will cause change. And then with this, people were like, well, maybe this will be great for MTGO. Kind of feels like, you know... Your puppy has to go live on a farm from the city. You know say, what I mean? Fantasy to start EverQuest. I mean, if like this is where it's going. Respect to the guy managing that server, by the way. Like, yeah. r- real props. Um, I mean, yeah, like you're sending that off to pasture, right? <laughs> like, so, and again, I, I I kind of felt really bad putting these show notes together. Because it was just bad news after bad news after bad news. And I didn't like want to spoil me talking about Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, which is, again, a set that I'm excited for. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to be, like, such a bummer leading into that. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, they just kind of tuck it away, like, hey, guys, uh, we're putting this at the bottom. And uh, we're we're just going to, like, update you later. But uh, we're going to take every effort to make sure we're not disrupting the sets that release on MTGO. But it's weird to think there's this future where MTGO might, and it's, they don't men- mention this, and it probably will be several years, where MTG just stops getting MTGO just stops getting new cards, and it's just the client with that current batch of cards, and that's it, right? That sounds like a great format to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, if we're being honest, like things like pre-modern, old school, if you and I want an opportunity to play those things. Mm. MTGO is probably where they're going to live on this server farm in Connecticut or wherever. <laughs> and I, again, it just kind of, you know, so many people have said to me, hey, just play MTGO. You're a digital guy. Mm. You like old formats. Play MTGO. Not really filled with competition. And I hate the UI. I, there's a lot of things about mm. MTGO mm. I really strongly dislike. And I do think MTGO's gone a, on a GameCube controller-like journey <laughs> where it was like completely hated and then somewhere along the line people were like hey you know that was pretty good and it's like whoa where did that come That's from a great comparison man <laughs> yeah I, I i felt like such an old man i was listening to a retro video game podcast and in it the people were you know whatever 10 15 years younger than i am and they were talking about how they were shocked to find out that the GameCube sold so many fewer units than the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox One, or the original <laughs> Xbox. And it's like, clearly you were not 
Oh, like yeah. you might have been a kid. Join me in college, please. Yeah. <laughs> like you were not like a consumer during that era because, man, it was really obvious if you were going to game stores at that period. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, yeah. and the GameCube controller at that time. I, I mean, I would call it hated. You know, yeah. Uh, I yeah. felt like I was an apologist for it then. Um, but yeah, man, that that thing has gotten a real reputation makeover, as has MTGO, right? <laughs> so. Anyway, um, last thing. And Cameron, I thought this would probably hit you the hardest. Yeah. Um, but both Cedric Phillips and Patrick Sullivan have officially like left SCG. And Cedric Phillips in his post essentially confirmed there are no more plans for any kind of coverage out of SCG. So no Grand Prix, no coverage out of Channel Fireball, SCG, Watsy. Yeah. Um, what I mean, and we've kind of had hints of this before. Like I think when they originally went on hiatus, we talked about this. Um, but legitimately, one of the most important things for me to learn to love Magic was the SCG tour. Yeah, specifically those two dudes. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm happy to announce that they will start covering my live streams. I'm going to be. Doing. <laughs> uh. I don't know. I mean, I'm yeah. sure Cameron, if you open that Cameron closet of money, you could, uh, you know, hire them out for something. <laughs> but no, like I, um, I understand this, and I know with the pandemic, uh, like open series and all this stuff. But like, you know, I was listening to Magic Mike's podcast, and they were talking about like how much of this equipment SCG has, like TriCasters, etc., that are yeah. just gonna be like dormant, right? How much they invested in this stuff, and it's just gone, right? And, uh, oh man, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's tragic on a lot of levels. And, um, it's weird to see that era like officially be dead, you know? Um, I, I just, I mean, we've said a lot about those two guys and the SCG tour, um, cast for a long time, but like, Talk about an education. Like, I mean, like, I can't express to you, like, the Cameron becomes a spike and all those things of me starting out and kind of growing as a Magic player. And, yeah, I am not a competitive level spike by any stretch of the imagination. But, like, those guys, the way they broke down everything at the tournament level for me to understand the interactions of 12 post versus a stone blade and me getting excited about those decks. I mean, I I can singly point to like certain matches probably in like 2013, 14 watching that and finally grokking understanding, uh, legacy in a way that I was not grasping, you know, um, man, pour one out. I'm bummed. Yeah, for sure. And like the other thing I would say this, and this is kind of a weird thing to talk about, but like the SCG tour in all its forms, really, and being exposed to magic through like limited resources and stuff, like there's a lot of the philosophy of being baked into being a spike, like making correct choices, limiting variants, all these things that are really like they seep into other elements of your life. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of amazing to me. Like sometimes it's not helpful. Like, you know, I get irritated when we have a less efficient way of going through Costco, you know? <laughs> uh, but, you know, then there's other things like, 
like my, I, I've talked about this before, like being a robotics coach. There's so many of those things about being results oriented and making correct plays and making good decisions and playing to your outs and all this stuff. Like these are things that I pass on to my actual students that are in my, mm -hmm. you know, system. And so it's just weird to think about on that level, you know? Um, anyway, point being is uh, I love live magic and I hope we get more of that, but it just feels like dominoes constantly falling. Yeah. Of this going yeah. away on us. And uh, I I hope someone figures it out and figures out a way to monetize it in a way that's effective, that's not digital. Um, but it just it's weird because, man, for a second there, it, it was like the momentum felt white hot. Like it went from yeah. some like some guys with some cameras talking about card games to like full on production in like a matter of three years. And then, obviously, COVID has played a role, and also Watsi's mismanagement of competitive play. Uh, but hopefully, those guys, uh, you know, I'm sure they're going to land well, and and uh, somehow their uh, like what they've given to Live Magic, you know, carries on. Yeah. So, Cameron, yeah. with that, we're going to get out of the segment, come back, and talk about what else we've been up to this week. All right, Cameron. So. It says here that you're working through the original Stanley Jack Kirby Fantastic Four. Um, tell me how you're taking this in. Is this through Marvel Unlimited? Is it like yeah. on a... Yeah, um, re-upped my, uh, my Marvel subscription. Mm -hmm. um, having finished the Guardians of the Galaxy game and all the kind of like references that they make um, throughout that entire game to like comics of past um there was a consistent theme that happened and that is introduced in fantastic four number 42 introduced in fantastic four number 102 right i mean like and i'm i started to realize a i have a huge gap in my my readership of fan of specifically fantastic four i've read through i don't know how many x-men comics how many spider-men i mean i've done daredevil i i mean you, I, I've done a lot of different things, the Avengers, but for whatever reason, the Fantastic Four, I'm knowledgeable with, but just didn't really ever dive into that world specifically. And I'm here to say that it was probably one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made as a comic reader. Um, those early issues, and I'm about 20 issues in, and we're getting introduced to obviously all the the major villains of Fantastic Four: Mole Man, <laughs> uh, Doctor Doom, um, things of like Planet X. You know, we can go on and on and on. Um, I just didn't realize how zany it is in like the best sense. Um, it's kind of like the Silver Age Superman comics, where it's just mm -hmm. like, where are these ideas coming from? It's just so off the wall much much more sci-fi than i was expecting it to be yeah um and it somehow has like the best elements of the things that i like about x-men with like the team aspect combined with like the zaniness of something like a silver age superman or like all this stuff that it influenced for like guardians of the galaxy um holy cow I am just I am loving this um in a way that 
I, I I'm actually loving this more than any of the Spider-Man of like the Jack Kirby, Stan Lee Spider-Man that I read, or even the early X-Men. Um, this is like the gold standard. And, um, I can't believe I was judging so much of like Stan Lee's work based off of Spider-Man and, and X-Men when it's like, this is really, I think the nugget that, um, shines above everything else. Um, I'm really, really impressed with, with these comics. Um, so I'm going to continue to read and try to make it through the 110 issues that, you know, Stan Lee did there in the sixties. Yeah. And, um, I have the essentials, uh, of those, but they're in black and white. And I read mm, them when I was mm. a kid and I still, I like, I, I want, I keep meaning to go back through them. Um, but then I'm like, you know, maybe I'm just doing a disservice to myself. For those of you who don't know, essentials were these massive rebindings of like, classic runs but they were in black and white and kind of with cheap uh phone book kind of paper mm-hmm. i guess you, many people probably don't even know what a phone book is anymore but the point is <laughs> is i had those from when i was a kid my mom got them for me when i was in high school or something uh but i keep me i just need to probably read them in color um but yeah like anytime you sit down with any of that stuff i really like that era of doctor strange like a lot because mm. that is way more bizarre than you would actually think um, but yeah, like the Fantastic Four stuff is very zany and sometimes very wacky, but also can be very dark sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, like, you know, the comic book Planetary is my favorite work of fiction ever. And there's a villainous version of the Fantastic Four. And it's actually much closer to the real Fantastic Four than you might think, uh, mm. whenever you're reading it from afar. But I think we've also forgotten... The Fantastic Four in our generation has not been the best for, for about, you know, 15 years. I mean, we're talking about the book that set off the whole Marvel revolution and that that initial number yeah. one is where the actual, like, supernova of creativity that came out of Stan Lee and those artists um, came from, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing I would mention, I think Jeff Kanata made this point on one of his podcasts. It's someone else said this. It's not coming from me. They're talking about how incomplete a bunch of the Marvel films feel because they kind of end up stretching someone like Tony Stark uh, into roles that he's not whenever you're used to reading comics. Because usually when they're formulating a plan, it's Doctor Strange, Professor Xavier, Reed Richards. These are the guys that are having this conversation. And Tony Stark, Iron Man, is not in that kind of position, right? Yeah. But, But they've kind of stretched him to that role or like Star-Lord, for crying out loud. Like, these are not those guys in the comic, right? They are kind of a little yeah. bit more the muscle. And um, you really feel that absence. And, you know, it's one of the things that's so awesome about, like, Reed Richards is, yes, he has a superpower, but that is incredibly secondary to the oh, fact yeah. that he is a man of science, intelligence, and he's an engineer, and he's going to solve problems, right? Yep. And the 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 you know the strategy stuff is just like yeah, hey, when that when that comes up, it's handy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, masterpiece level stuff for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. okay, so hey, I've been diving into Apple TV again. <laughs> lots of downtime at some of these sporting events, and um, I have to ask you. So I feel like we talked about this. You do watch Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. Just spare- yeah, we watched all of it, and I'm curious 
because first of all, I feel like this show is specifically made for my spouse. Like she could not love this more. It is perfect for yeah. her. Right? Um, I love it too. But I wonder, Cameron, like, because we made this like mockery of you like not being into sports. There are so many sports references, like specifically Kansas City sports references, that I think it's like <laughs> even unfair um for me to even because the main character is from Kansas City, but Jason Sudeikis himself is from Kansas City. Yeah. And so there's a lot of those moments that it's like, oh, man, it's like a warm blanket. Uh, Like, for example, the Believe sign, that was something a Royals manager did in 2003. You know? and Fun. Okay. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, so I I love, and I love a good sports story, right? Mm -hmm. But the kind of, and everybody loves Ted Lasso. A lot of people in my life, like fellow teachers, really like it because it's super positive. But the surprise thing that I've liked is Mythic Quest along with this. Uh-huh. Have you watched any Mythic Quest? So we've watched the first five episodes, and I'm I'm digging it. I want to know how far you're into it because if I should continue or not. But so I just I'm halfway through the episode with Jake Johnson. So is that like third or okay. fourth one? Third or f- yeah, where they yeah. like it starts in like the mid '90s. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um. And and that episode's interesting. Obviously, they're doing something a little bit different, but. Um, no, I find it a more engaging workplace comedy than The Office, right? Yeah. And it's probably because the guys in it are just so egomaniacal. Like, it's real, like, the guy is, I can't remember the actor's name, but he's from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Not Gary, yeah. He is great in that role. I can see, I don't know how many video game you know, producers that I've seen interviewed in that exact, like, (laughs) like world and way of thinking. So I don't know, like, it's just been a pleasant surprise. It's nothing like earth shattering. It's just a really good, solid comedy. And if you like video games, you'll probably Mm -hmm. get a little bit more out of it. Um, There is a um, guy who plays an old sci-fi writer who is very easily my favorite character. Um, But uh, I don't know. It's just a good, funny show. If you have Apple TV, it's probably worth checking out and almost certainly funnier than anything you'll find on their Netflix comedies, which are a little bit yeah, yeah. a little rough around the edges. So yeah. I will I will totally agree. I think uh I, I I've enjoyed what I've seen. It's just this is classic Apple. I forget about like ninety percent of everything that exists on Apple. Um mm. even their good stuff, but it's like it, it's just like an app that I don't visit enough and I I think I forget about all the shows that I should be watching. Well, so keep in mind, we just turned on the spigot, right? But we do we do a rotation. So mm. right now, we just rotated out of HBO Max to rotate into Apple TV. And then we'll go back to Netflix or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we just... So it really kind of incentivizes you to get after it a little bit. Sure, um, sure. And I don't know how many times I've had to play the bad guy in my house, Cameron. But I walk up and I tell the fam, look... We're losing HBO Max on January 14th, so you better make some stuff happen if you want to watch anything, <laughs> right? Um, don't worry. Nobody's canceling Game Pass, though, Cameron. That's the, that, <laughs> that is a hard and fast rule in our household. <laughs> that's the train that can't be stopped. Yeah. Last thing I want to mention, because I'm still kind of just noodling away at Halo uh, Infinite. Am I just bad, or are there weird difficulty spikes? Uh, I... Maybe, yeah, yeah. Because like some of the boss fights, I'm like, 
This is bizarrely like way out of like their difficulty the range. Fights for sure. Yes. yes. Okay. Because I think you might have alluded. There's a boss fight where you're kind of stuck in a room with a dude with a hammer, and you're just yeah. like, okay. Uh, <laughs> you better learn how to cheese. <laughs> yeah. I I feel like that's like what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like I have a grappling hook, a radar, and a and a gun that's running low on ammo. Like, cool guys. Um, but anyway, dude, uh, if someone would like to get at you and talk to you how to be better at Halo Infinite, where could they find you, Cameron? That's <laughs> all at Twitter at Cameron underscore McCoy. The answer is probably to use a GameCube controller. I am at Curtis Now. <laughs> Our official show feed is at SpikeBeatMTG. We'll check you guys next week.